We were driving home from a Wednesday evening Advent service when Emily, who was probably three at the time, announced from her car seat, I'm afraid of angels. Well, her mother and I paused for a moment, mildly shocked that our daughter, who we thought was rather pious, would say such a thing. And we finally asked, why are you afraid of angels? And she answered, I'm afraid they'll talk to me. Then we realized that all the Sunday school stories leading up to Christmas involved angels. The angels talked to people, and often their first words were, do not be afraid. Well, my daughter was afraid, afraid that angels would talk to her. And in one sense, she was right to be afraid. Whether it's Joseph in our reading from Matthew chapter 1, or the Magi in Matthew 2, or Zechariah or Mary in Luke's gospel, when angels speak in the Christmas story, lives are turned upside down and inside out, and nothing is ever the same again. We should be afraid that angels will speak to us, especially if we value to any extent worldly success and security or the honor and acclaim of society. Joseph certainly had his own honor and good standing in mind when he decided to break his engagement to Mary privately. But he was primarily, we are told, concerned for her honor and perhaps for her very life. What Joseph learned from the angel in a dream was that his promise to marry Mary mattered and had to be fulfilled. But only, only because it was part of God's plan to fulfill his far greater promise to bring into the world a savior from sin and death. This conception is like no other conception in all of human history because the child of Mary is the Emmanuel that Isaiah promised. We don't know exactly what happened after the dream, how or if Joseph tried to explain to friends and relatives what was going on. But from a human point of view, the angel's announcement was far from the solution to his problems. His problems, which would include a flight for the baby's life, were only beginning. That's why Luther talks about this text as expressing the turbulent side of the Christmas story. Matthew introduces the cross to the narrative of Jesus' birth, Luther says. Here's his comment from a Christmas Eve sermon on Matthew 1. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Here we have the text of the creed conceived by the Holy Spirit. Matthew then introduces the cross, namely the confusion of Joseph into the conception of Christ. For as soon as the Christian life is begun or anything else of Christ, there next thing the cross is at hand. The cross is at hand in our lives too. But like Joseph, we have the word of God in the midst of trouble and turbulence. 
one author expressed it this way, not one of us knows what tomorrow will bring. What we do know is that Jesus' love opens our hearts to see that beyond the cross lies Easter. For many, the days surrounding Christmas are a time of sadness. Even when we are blinded by tears from things in this life, the grace of God is there to comfort us with his forgiveness and to show us his glory. The promise spoken by Isaiah and repeated by the angel to Joseph is not for him alone, but is good news for all people. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. The promise stands sure, even when the Christmas season comes amidst suffering and loss. And in such times, perhaps, the promise stands forth most clearly for us. For in such times, we take to heart what it means for us and for all the world that the Son of God came as a human being to be our Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. This is Jesus who saves his people from their sins. Your sins are forgiven in Christ, so no matter what else happens, you have peace with God. God is on your side. You are God's people. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Amen. <laughs>